Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and it is time to break down every single fantasy-relevant injury ahead of what figures to be a continuously fun Week 12. Obviously, might not have quite as much to go over today with three games having already occurred on Thursday, but we will get you caught up regardless. So as always, I am joined by none other than PFF's own Andrew Erickson. Andrew, how are you? Ian, two podcasts in the same day. You got to love it, man. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Grinding. Mr. McFarlane is out. It is his uh, lovely wife, Amanda's birthday. So let us and as well as you listeners send her a very happy birthday. And yeah, we would prefer if Dwayne doesn't have his entire family hate him. So Andrew and I <laughs> will cover the bases. We'll get right into it with the quarterback position. Not too much going on here. We have Aaron Rodgers with the fractured toe that he showed off for everybody this week. He was not able to practice, but he's going to continue to play through the pain and be out there still locked in as a low-end QB1 ahead of this uh, spot. Also got Lamar Jackson. Good to go with the illness. Not even listed on the final injury report. We did see him get added on Saturday last week, so I'm not saying he's uh, 110% out there, but should be good to go barring any unforeseen new uh, developments with that. Also, Baker Mayfield not listed on the final injury report. Uh, shoulder, foot, groin officially. I- I've enjoyed uh, Roto World's like Baker Mayfield in quotes everything like missing practice, but he will continue to play through the pain. And then finally, just an update from uh, just the Bears game. Ian Rapport has already said that Justin Fields has a few cracked ribs now. Andrew, like these rib injuries, man, the same thing happened with Breeze last year. Like the f- They first come out and they say the MRI is clean and then like oh might have had some bruising and then a couple weeks later every damn thing is cracked what's going on with this apparently you know they tell the quarterbacks hey like you just got a couple bruised ribs and then they go out and like gallivant and just like injure themselves even more apparently that's what (laughs) they get the green light they're like oh i don't have cracked ribs like sick i'm gonna go ride a bull or do something like crazy (laughs) jump out of a plane and apparently that's not the case here so this is unfortunate for fields who looked like he was kind of like progressing a little bit and now you have Dalton in, and and it sucks because, like, Dalton, like, looked decent enough where they're probably like, yeah, like, I guess we'll just, like, roll with him and, and the whole thing with Nagy, and he wanted Dalton to be the starter anyway, and it's, it's just a whole mess. It's just it's not a good look for the Bears. So, overall, pretty light, again, QB situation this week, barring any unforeseen circumstances popping up on Saturday. Everyone that we're expecting to be under center should be under center come Sunday and Monday. Moving right along to running back, one of the game's best at the position will be back this week. That is Kareem Hunt, who was activated off the injury reserve with that calf injury, and he will suit up in Week 12. I kind of thought they were going to wait an extra week because the Browns have the Week 13 bye, make sure he's healthy, but you know, Browns really aren't in a position to uh, dictate that. They need to win each and every one of these games anyway. So also activated their starting right tackle, Jack Conklin, who's been on IR with an elbow injury. Andrew, like the wide receiver room is banged up. And even before that, like we were seeing Hunt and Chubb post RB1 production together with all the, you know, the stuff going on in the passing game, this offense generally just being pretty brutal week in and week out. How do you feel about starting Hunt right away, man? Because even if we can't squeeze in the top 10 or top 12, I feel like I'm going to be going with Hunt in the majority of star sit questions this week. Yeah, I think that Hunt is at least, I mean, he's definitely at least in like the top 24. I got to probably just move him up a little bit more in my rankings. And I think that's important that you brought up their week 13 bye week because teams like look at things a little bit different. Like we think, okay, like, you know, if he's coming back from the injury, like, why don't you just keep him out through the bye week? I think that some teams look at it as, okay, well, we have this bye week, so we can play him. And if he gets nicked up a little bit more, then we have the bye week to get him healed up again. So, so I think that we're going to see Hunt like in a pretty decent role. Like I expect him to kind of take over the role that he had when he, during the regular season before he got hurt. So I think it's kind of wheels up. I think you should kind of just view Hunt as you would normally. So, and that kind of puts him definitely at least in the top 20. Um, I can get, if you don't want to raise him up to like top 12, but it's again, he's had good matchups against the Ravens in the past. The Browns just, they got nothing at receiver, man. Like everyone is hurt. Like Landry, I don't know. Like, people's jones is banged up there's no anthony schwartz like they don't use the tight ends like it just seems like they're just going to use all the running backs anyway mayfield is banged up so i think hunt and chubb are just both in for another healthy day so i would i would want to start hunt 
we've seen flashes of them using Hunt more as a pure receiver. If you look at the last time the Browns played the Ravens last year, like it was Hunt lined up as a receiver on that game tying touchdown drive before, you know, Lamar came back from the bathroom and did his thing at the end there. So, but yeah, Andrew, I, I'm with you on top 20, kind of looking at my ranks right now. I got James Robinson, RB 15. I kind of want to put him right after that, like Kareem Hunt versus Miles Gaskin versus Devontae Freeman versus Mitchell or Jeff Wilson. I kind of feel like Hunt should get the nod against those guys. Are you with me? I mean, I'm definitely taking, like, I don't care if, like, there's a running back that's a quote-unquote starter, you know, because Kareem Hunt's basically still a starter, even though yeah. Nick Chubb is is the lead back. You know, the, the volume that he gets is it's kind of warranting worthy. up. Yeah. yeah, it's starter-worthy. So any fringe, any fringe guy, like a Gaskin, like, even, like, you look at Antonio Gibson. Like, I get the matchup is there, but if they fall Hunt. behind, like, Gibson's a zero. Like, so Hunt, you know he's going to get the work on. He's involved in all facets of the game. So I, I don't think you should have really any concerns about Hunt. I think that if you were starting him before his injury, like, pretty frequently, I think you're starting him once again. Saquon Barkley, officially listed as questionable, should be good to go uh, with that ankle. If you didn't catch it, Andrew and I recorded our DFS pod this morning, and that is available across Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, all your usual platforms. And at just 6.3K, he is looking awfully enticing. So really not too worried about this questionable tag. It's what they had last week. We'll probably get a report that says that he'll play as long as he doesn't you know, get injured randomly before the game starts. And yeah, I think that applies for basically everyone, but good to see Saquon hopefully getting a bit closer to 100%. Andrew, have we seen the Patriots uh, injury report yet? Because I know Ronde Stevenson, unfortunately, midweek downgrade. We have Damon Harris banged up as well, listed with a neck injury, but he's fully expected to be good to go. Obviously, though, quite an upgrade for Harris if Stevenson winds up being sidelined. Like at this point, they're almost like the Broncos running backs. I know we got Brandon Bolden in there, but together, Stevenson and Harris, I think it's tough to really rank them inside the top 24 but if we can isolate just one of those guys now they're a recommended start so the 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 most up-to-date i just came out eight minutes ago so i mean they just have a bunch of people that are questionable which is you know, <laughs> per usual of the new england patriots they just kind of just throw everybody on the injury report whether they're really questionable or not i mean nick folk dude like i don't know if this guy practices ever but all he does is just be the best kicker in fantasy football and he's always hurt all the time so yeah damien harris is on there as a limited participant Stevenson's on there as a limited participant, so I think we're just going to kind of see more of the norm from them unless we get a surprise inactive. Again, they play at 1 o'clock, so we're going to know if there's a surprise scratch between one of those guys, and I think, yeah, I think that just viewing them as the Denver Broncos, it's a good matchup, and it's not even because, like, the Titans have, like, a bad run defense. It's just because, as we'll get into, the Titans have, like, nobody left on offense, so I just don't see how the Patriots don't play with a lead here and just feed Harris and Stevenson kind of just throughout the game. That's the concern if they fall behind, but when they're a home touchdown favorite, that's the sort of projected game script we can feel more confident about. So yeah, make sure you keep an eye out on Stevenson, who seems a bit more questionable than Harris this week. James Robinson not listed on the final injury report. This is actually pretty great news. He's been dealing with the heel and knee injury for a few weeks, playing through the pain after initially missing a game. But the fact he's not listed here should help take him from that 60, 65% snap roll we've been seeing back up to the usual 90% RB1 Sun level workload. So Robinson, I think, should be in far more starting lineups than not. And honestly, Andrew, I know we didn't talk about him a ton in DFS, but I think he's a viable uh, cash game game cash game play as well going against the Falcons now that we know he isn't even listed on the injury report. One, inf- one situation that is far more murky is in Green Bay. Look, if Aaron Jones is out again with this knee injury, is A.J. Dillon all wheels up, start him even if there's a fire. The problem becomes if Aaron Jones is going to play. He's officially listed as questionable. Got one of the more messed up quotes of the year from Matt LaFleur, who basically said that, you know, if our guys are cleared and they're good to go, they're going to play with no, uh, no, no, you know, no strings attached, like no limited workload or anything. But they're also going to keep, you know, the whole season's goals and long-term stuff in mind. So, yeah, Andrew, you know, tonight I'm either going to eat a turkey sandwich or uh, just completely, like, not eat anything. That's what Matt LaFleur is basically telling us here. It could go either way. If Jones is active, I could see it being way more 50-50 than usual. You know, I don't think I'm going to throw Jones immediately back up in the top 10. Probably kind of putting both of these guys in around that RB2 borderline. What are your thoughts on this evolving situation? 
Yeah, I mean, right now I have Jones at 16 and Dylan at 28, but I could probably move Dylan up a little bit because he was he was, he was still seeing like yeah. a pretty solid workload even with Aaron Jones still playing. Like he was seeing at least like 12 touches per game. I think in like four of the last five games he played alongside Aaron Jones, and again he didn't get you know a ton of volume last week just because of the way that the game kind of planned out. But he's still involved in the game plan and. Again, if, if anything, it's really just going to probably put a damper on his receiving ability. I would say they're probably just going to lean on Aaron Jones a little bit more in the receiving game than A.J. Dillon, so it makes him a little bit more fringy. But, you know, we've seen these guys, especially if Dillon gets the work, like this is a DFS play that you want to look at. Again, they play in the late window, 425, so people may just be unclear of the ambiguity of the situation. Like, I'm just going to fade it all together, but there's a an advantage to waiting and kind of building your lineup where okay i can flex aj Dillon, i can swap to him later aaron jones is ruled out at three o'clock okay boom i can make this type of pivot here so i still think they're both kind of worth start. i mean aaron jones i think if he's playing you're, you're going to start him and then dylan obviously you play him if jones is ruled out i think i probably just wouldn't play dylan if aaron jones plays Late swap, such an easy way to really help separate yourself from the rest of the field. That's why it's a good idea on Sundays, you know, save that sixth or seventh drink to about 4.15, 4.30. If you can help it, give yourself ample time to adjust the old rosters. Hopefully, all-world superstar, international, just stud Cordero Patterson will be back. He practiced all week with this ankle injury. He's officially listed as questionable. Um, everyone's least favorite Thursday night hero, Quadri Allison, is actually not expecting to play due to an illness. So if CPAT is back, fully expecting him to once again lead the backfield and really just lead things through the air as well. He is PFF's single highest graded receiver this year regardless of position. So CPAT, if active, once again getting right back in that top 15, top 16 running back range. He He's just so valuable with this sort of receiving production, people. He's impossible to bench at this point. There was a time earlier this year when Patterson's like production did not match up with his volume. That's past. They are now featuring him as the all-around workhorse weapon that he should have always been, and you love to see it in Fantasyland. Obviously, that matchup against the Jaguars, borderline erotic as well. Andrew, one of your props, and we uh, Andrew always gives out his props on our DFS show. He is, I believe it was... 12 and 7 or something. You have a damn good record. That's all I know. Anyway, one of the calls for this week was Alex Collins under, I believe, like 45, or it was 47 and a half rushing yards. He is a little bit nicked up this week. He's got an abdomen injury. Obviously, this game isn't happening until Monday night, so we don't have the exact um we don't have the exact designation just yet. I think Collins will play. The bigger question is Rashad Penny, who started the week off with a DMP with that hamstring injury. Hell, we even got Travis Homer dealing with a calf issue, not at 100% as well. But, Andrew, I love the call on the under-rushing yards here because last week, like, we saw Penny get the start before he immediately got injured, which you hate to see. But then even later, like, DJ Dallas was out there a little bit more than usual and the vulturing away at goal line carry. Like, Alex Collins... It's tough to fully like take him out of like the top 25 backs because he still is our best guest to lead this backfield. But it's the, the leash seems shorter than ever, man. If I get any start sick questions, particularly if he's banged up and has a designation before Monday, like anything even somewhat close with Collins, I am picking the other guy. What say you? Yeah, I mean, Alex Collins is just not... He's not good. Like <laughs> He just like really hasn't been good since he's kind of taken over the role again. The last three weeks, he's at... Five, under five fantasy points per game. He's just 10 carries in the last three games, not using the passing game whatsoever. Like his passing game role has decreased. He just had a 13% routes run per dropback rate. Last week, DJ Dallas was involved more in the passing game. And DJ Dallas had played the same amount of snaps as Alex Collins did. So if you're like looking up, you know, the waiver wire, you know, you're trying to stash somebody ahead of next week. You know, let's say you already lost your match. I know I had a couple teams with Swift and Waller. Um, oh. that, that is not looking good. So I'm already looking <laughs> towards week 13. Uh, add DJ Dallas. Like, it would not surprise me at all to see him, like, outplay Alex Collins yeah. and just be like, all right, he's going to be the guy we're going to start. Like, he's started before for them last year, and I know that he's kind of been buried on the depth chart. But, I mean, look, Alex Collins is not someone that we should fear of. Oh, yeah, he's, he's like the Chris Carson of this offense. He, he really hasn't been. He's really been kind of failing to deliver. And I think that the Seahawks offense, like, needs to find a way to get a spark just on offense in general, just been sluggish since Russell Wilson came back. And I think DJ Dallas, who looked good last week, 6.3 yards per carry, he had a rushing touchdown. I think that we could see more of DJ Dallas. So I would try to add him and stash him because I think that he'll probably be the most popular running back we're talking about after Monday Night Football. 
Again, Collins last week, first time really since the Carson injury stuff started that he didn't start. Even after Penny got hurt, man, he only played 18 total snaps there. It does feel like one of these weeks we're going to look up and see Collins has been completely relegated out of the rotation. I would try to, like you're saying, get ahead of that if at all possible. We already have Jordan Howard ruled out for at least this week with the knee injury. It could be one more. Setting up Miles Sanders, maybe, just maybe, to start giving us some semblance of fantasy production. You know, you'd like to think Jalen Hurts isn't going to run for every single touchdown on this Eagles offense. And also want to point out the Eagles have the week's single largest advantage in terms of taking an offense's yards before contact per carry and adding it with the defense's same metric. You can find that study, as always, in my Mismatch Manifesto live every single Thursday. And that is free for your viewing at PFF.com couple other running back injuries in the NFC East, Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, both listed as questionable. Gibson with the shin, or excuse me, this is for Monday night, so not listed as questionable just yet, but Gibson with the shin, McKissick with the ankle. They've been practicing, so I'm not expecting them to be sidelined or anything. Just keep in mind they're not at 100%, meaning we'll continue to see Jarrett Patterson a little bit more than anyone would prefer. In Tennessee, we got Jerry McNichols ruled out with the concussion. Also got Deontay Foreman, not 100% with a tricep issue, but expecting him to play through the pain. Andrew, the answer is just no here, right? Because there is literally like nobody to feel good about in Tennessee. Now, I'm not expecting them to score zero points, so we got to at least consider the situation, but we can't go back down the Dontrell Hilliard train, can we? I mean, look, it's, it's gruesome in Tennessee right now. Like, they don't have any receivers. The tight ends is a mess. The the running back position is a mess. But if you look at the way the Patriots operate on defense, they do give up a lot of receptions to running backs. Oh, I think no. Belichick We're doing just it. doesn't. We're doing it. I, I just don't think Belichick tries to take away those guys. So, again, you are playing some game script here where you're projecting, okay, if the Titans are trailing, Tannehill's going to have to find someone to throw the ball to, dump it off to. It, we saw it last week. It was Dontrell Hilliard. That's the guy he went to. So, again, in a PPR league, if you're desperate, you need a plug-and-play guy. Like, if you've been trying to, like, ride some of these titans running backs these backups like hilliard's gonna be my highest ranked running back uh, of the um, on the titans though so i got him at rb40 so this is not like <laughs> some compelling argument to start john trail hilliard but in a ppr league yeah you could you could do worse than don trail hilliard I was about to say, I was looking at, you know, I was going down the list and I saw Boston Scott, Tevin Coleman. I was like, okay, that's about the spot where I'd be uh, okay touting Hilliard over those dudes. Uh, Michael Carter expecting to miss two to three weeks with that ankle sprain elevating Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson is definitely the recommended play. I would just say to me, this feels more like a solid enough RB3, not someone that you need to be forcing into lineups of all shapes and sizes. So much of Johnson's allure this year has been that constant stream of checkdowns certainly more on the table with Mike White as opposed to Zach Wilson so Ty Johnson good plug and play guy I just wouldn't get your expectations too carried away try to avoid playing Tevin Coleman if at all possible just expecting an empty 8 to 10 carries from him uh, 49ers Elijah Mitchell really shaping up as another game time decision we'll see what the actual uh, designation ends up being for him but with the rib injury mostly just the finger injury been reported that he's still wearing that non-contact jersey in practice, only carrying the ball in his left hand. We still got Jermichael Hasty out with the ankle, which means Jeff Wilson and probably a nice little doses of Debo Samuel will once again be handling most of the 49ers' backfield duties. Andrew, like, I'm not worried about Jeff Wilson having one down week. The, the usage was exactly what we wanted. We had, you know, the aforementioned Jimmy G misheard around the world when he was wide open from about two yards out. Like, if we can get 20 touches from anyone in a San Francisco offense, particularly against a Vikings defense that shows basically zero interest in stopping the run, like I'm not saying Jeff Wilson's a top 10 back, but certainly inside our top 24 with ease, I think, and someone that should be in far more starting lineups than that. Yeah, you just got to like, look, we got everything we wanted out of Jeff Wilson. Like, I saw people like apologizing for recommending Jeff Wilson as a start <laughs> last week. I'm like, guys, like he was the right play. Like, but, like, don't like apologize. Like if Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have him, you know, wasn't facing him in fantasy, like we would have been fine. Like he would have caught the touchdown. He had nine, he had 12 touches in the, in the first quarter. So like 19 carries for 50 yards. He only scored 5.8 fantasy points. But, you know, we went over two on his two carries inside the five yard line that we talked about the, the miss in the end zone. So. No, I think that Jeff Wilson is a fine play, especially in DFS, where I think that he won't be nearly as popular. And, you know, Brandon Ayuk is one of the most popular wide receivers on the slate. So how do you get leverage off of Ayuk? Well, you play the running back. 
Jeff Wilson. So I think that's kind of an interesting way to approach it. And yeah, I, I would not be overly concerned about about Jeff Wilson. We can't just let one game completely define a player. Like if we all just saw that Alexander Madison game against the Falcons last year, and we're like, oh, okay, look, he sucks when Dalvin Cook's gone. We would have missed out on the next like four or five games where he provided the top ten production that we were hoping for in the first place. So yeah, I know it's frustrating. It's a week to week league, as we like to say. Just try to zoom out, catch that you know more macro workload viewpoint when possible. Final note uh, for those that obviously pretty much all of you uh, watched all the Thanksgiving games. We did see the DeAndre Swift injury. Luckily, though, it is just a sprained shoulder. He's considered day-to-day. Not saying that couldn't leave him out here for a week or two, potentially, but at least we're not seemingly looking at the season-ending variety. Moving on to wide receiver, Buccaneers still not 100%. Antonio Brown has been ruled out with that ankle injury, but it looks like he is supposed to be back next week. The uh, actual quote from Adam Schefter was that when Bucks wide receiver Antonio Brown initially hurt his ankle on a Thursday night at Philadelphia, team doctors told him it would be a six-week injury. This will be the fifth game in six weeks that Brown will be out, so returning next week would be what the doctors expected. So good news for AB uh, managers, but for this week, it's another example of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin having the sort of condensed target share that lands really both of them inside the top 12 fantasy wide receivers. Evans was not practicing with a back injury, but he returned on Friday, isn't even listed on the final injury report. Godwin's a little banged up with a foot injury as well, but he is also not listed. I mean, Andrew, Evans, Godwin, we are ramming them into fantasy lineups of all shapes and sizes, and I don't hate the idea of actually getting contrarian getting off the chalky Godwin and favor of Evans and DFS tournament land. Yeah, I mean like I have them in season long at five and six. Like yep. <laughs> like I just like I'm always kinda like, all right, well who do I like put a higher this week? Because it's just so concentrated, like you said, like when Antonio Brown comes back, obviously it's gonna cause them to fall a little bit just based on volatility. But I mean they're playing the Colts. The Colts have given up the most passing touchdowns this season. Like and who's throwing the most passing touchdowns is Tom Brady. So it just seems like it's another pitch and catch situation for these Bucks. This game is going to be highly rostered in DFS, a ton of game stacks on the, the Colts side, on the Bucks side. So, look, I mean, maybe people will galaxy brain and be like, no, I can't play Evans and Godwin and Brady. It's like, yeah, you can. Just like, just like do it. Just build one lineup with that and then move on. Like, I just think that it's just so locked and loaded. It just works every single week. It's just a stack. You know, I have a stack of that in a season-long league, and I came back. I overcame the Austin Eckler 40-point monster performance on Monday night because I had Brady, Godwin, and Evans Ooh. all in the same lineup. So it worked for me, and I think it'll work for everybody else. That feels good. Couple injuries in the Green Bay receiving room as well. Devontae Adams started off the week limited with an ankle injury, but he came back full on Thursday and Friday and is no longer listed on a report. Perhaps more concerning would be Alan Lazard returning to action. He missed last week. That led to Marquez, Valdez, Scaling, and Randall Cobb really seeing full-time roles uh, for the first time. We've kind of been seeing this three wide receiver rotation when all these guys are healthy. Lazard did return to limited practices all weekends, officially listed as questionable though so I'm not saying you can't play MVS if uh, Lazard is able to get healthy I mean I think Lazard usually splitting more in the slot with Cobb uh, would be the bigger downgrade just realize again when we have three wide receivers rotating between two spots it's going to lower the ceiling for everyone involved uh, sad, sad day. Our guy, A.J. Brown, a favorite of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, ruled out with a chest injury. Like, again, Andrew, Titans, we're not projecting them to score zero <laughs> points. I know we can look at these other guys. We got Nick Westbrook, um, Akini, who, whose name I will get one of these days. <laughs> I am sorry. Chester Rogers. I mean, we got Golden Tate in the, in oh, the yeah, situation. Oh, Golden Tate. Oh, my God. I don't want to play any of these guys, though. Come on. If we were playing, like, the you know the Texans or something, that'd be one thing. Not the league best scoring defense residing out of New England. Like, the answer to these wide receivers is just no, correct? Yeah, it's uh, you know, I, it, it looks a lot like the situation from last week where you saw the Falcons play, you know, pretty lackluster Falcons corpse play the Patriots and you no know, Kyle Pitts pretty much did nothing. Uh, Russell Gage was the wide receiver 41 on the week. Like that's kind of like what you're looking at as like the best like the best Titans receiver in this game might finish as like wide receiver 41. Like that's kind of what you're looking at here. Um, from like a DFS perspective, the only guy I would probably consider it would be Des Fitzpatrick because he's 3,200, so he's the cheapest out of all the Titans receivers. He saw a ton of air yards last week, a couple of end zone targets, a couple of deep shots. 
And yeah, that that's really it for for the Titans receivers. I just really don't want to play them. And even like that, you're like you're hoping he gets ten points at three point two k. Like that's kind of what you're praying for. And and then I know we talked about uh, I mentioned to you earlier like Anthony Ferkser, Like maybe he could be a play at twenty seven hundred. But then you mentioned oh Jeff Swaim's coming back, and it's just a <laughs> it's just a total nightmare. Such a mess, and oh, of course, we got to worry about the mainstream media story. Oh, Bill Belichick will take away the number one option on the other team 100 times out of 100. Didn't you see Kyle Pitts last week not do anything? That was the only game all year, right, Andrew? Only game where Kyle Pitts didn't do anything against Belichick. Come on with that narrative. I'm not saying he's not good at it, but just it's so insulting that to think that the other 31 NFL teams like don't make an effort to take away the opponent's number one receiver. So that's just been something grinding my gear a little bit over the past 10 days but good news in a completely unrelated subject DK Metcalf is expected to keep playing through the pain has his foot injury they contain to rest him on Thursdays but he should be good to go for Monday night I know it's been frustrating with the Russell Wilson experience but as we saw last week Tyler Lockett caught all four of his targets for over 100 yards like it's not the usual Russ we're getting but as we saw like when Gino was under center Lockett and Metcalf are too damn good to leave on the bench unless your squad is absolutely loaded so I get not having Metcalf as a top five top six receiver he'd probably be with a healthy rust but come on people please for the love of God don't be putting DK Metcalf and start sick questions like that's just one of those things where you shouldn't be able to look yourself in the mirror after sending a tweet like that little more uncertainty in Baltimore where we have Marquise Brown officially listed as questionable has the thigh injury he was limited all week so I think he'll go ahead and return to action we also got Devin DuVernay with knee and chest injuries Miles Boykin with a finger banged up as well Andrew with this Ravens passing game we've had a good chunk of games now with Lamar and with Bateman active and Hollywood really has still been standing above the rest as the number one pass game option I still think he deserves a low end wide receiver two treatment here in this spot I guess the bigger question is kind of what to make of Rashad Bateman I have him as wide receiver 33 right now I play him ahead of guys like Corey Davis Corlin Sutton the Rams complimentary pieces but am I too low on the guy I just feel like this offense is still going through Brown and Andrews first and foremost yeah, no, I think that the, the targets are still concentrated on those two guys. But even with Bateman not seeing a ton of targets, like he's been really efficient, which yeah. is something I think is, is worth chasing at receiver. I know we talked about volume at running back and even a tight end to an extent, but I think receiver, like the talent, actually I think does matter a little bit more than the That's other fair. positions. So Bateman has been really just really good. And even last week, he had the opportunities. He picked up a couple pass interferences. You know, Tyler Huntley just wasn't, you know, giving him really catchable passes, which again, is kind of what you're going to expect when you have a quarterback making his first NFL start. So I have Bateman at just a couple spots ahead. I have him at 29. Okay. So I think that he's still viable. Again, you want to obviously have Lamar under center. But, I mean, he's found a way to get it done every single week. Again, kind of like that the Tim Patrick of, of the Ravens. is basically a guy, it doesn't matter. Like, he just finds a touchdown on four targets. He still is able to get it done. So I think Bateman's still a solid. I know I, I have him ahead of guys like Tyler Boyd, Jacoby. Again, the guys you mentioned as well, like the Rams wide receivers, um, Corey Davis. Uh, yeah, so I think Bateman's still like, he's a solid wide receiver three this week. Couldn't have said it better myself. With the Browns, Jarvis Landry banged up with a knee injury, but he returned to practice. Doesn't have an injury designation. Donovan Peoples-Jones dealing with the groin. He is officially listed as questionable. Anthony Schwartz will miss another game with a concussion. We aren't playing any of them, if you can help it, because this passing game for Cleveland is, you know, at best mediocre and at worst, the worst group in the, in the NFL. And, you know, call, call whatever you want. It's a volume issue or it's a Baker Mayfield sucks or it's a Baker Mayfield's injured whatever whoever you want to blame it on just realize like do not start these wide receivers if you can at all help it just too many efficiency and volume concerns alike but i spent enough time ripping on baker and stuff so we can move on ty hilton limited to start the week with a toe injury expecting him to be out there you know we go over everyone andrew so he's on there let's talk michael Pittman here for a second because i do think we can go back to the well here with Pittman as a top 24 option like we haven't seen him take a step back or anything in terms of efficiency he is pulling in more dpis than anyone when he's going downfield and he's really making good use of his targets it's just been a matter of him actually being in a game script where they have to throw the ball more than usual credit to indy for shutting down josh allen and company last week i'd be very shocked if they do that again to brady i feel like we should be getting on the michael Pittman train this week because i don't see many scenarios where Wentz doesn't have to throw the ball a little bit more than he has in more recent weeks 
Yeah, if if Carson Wentz only throws the ball twenty times against the Buccaneers, I I mean I for one will be just like <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take the L if that happens, <laughs> yeah. but I don't see that happening. Yeah, like that seems very very unlikely to happen again. It was game script last week. Um, it really wasn't even like the fact that the Bills have a good like secondary, just the Colts they didn't just have to throw the ball. And I think that I think that's important to point about Pittman is so he's a 22% target share over the last four weeks. So that, that, that's really good. Now, from like the grand scheme of the NFL, like other teams, maybe it's not like super impressive. It's still really strong. But the fact is that no other Colts receiver has more than a 13% target share. So like in the offense, like he is still dominating all the looks and just in the overall pass volume that really hasn't been that high with Jonathan Taylor just having these huge, massive games. So Michael Pittman, he's too cheap in DFS. And I think that he makes a ton of sense here. I and mean, we've seen the Bucks have been better on defense in terms of like giving up fantasy points to receivers. But we know Michael Pittman's still a baller. He can make contested catches. And that's the guy who Wentz looks at the most. So if, if there's any chance of a negative game script for the Colts, probably be in this spot. So Pittman makes a lot of sense to bring back in Tom Brady sacks. Probably going to be pretty popular. But, you know, that, it's just a good game to attack for DFS. Couple more to quickly run through. Corey Davis got banged up in the middle of the week with a groin injury, but he is expected to play through the pain. Perfectly fine. Lower end wide receiver three, maybe higher end wide receiver four, but don't get it twisted. Elijah Moore is the number one in this offense these days, and we finally saw him last week take over Jamison Crowder's starting spot. So feeling good about Elijah, lesser extent Corey Davis, despite Zach Wilson being back under center. In New York, we got Sterling Shepard officially out with the quad injury. And Kadarius Tony is doubtful with the quad himself. ESPN's Jordan Renan does not expect either to play this week. Should be Kenny Galladay, um, Darius Slayton, and probably Colin Johnson because John Ross is banged up as well. Um, <laughs> there we go, Andrew. I, I, I think we should probably try to avoid touching any of these guys. Darius Slay cleared the concussion protocol. I think he'll probably track Kenny Galladay in this one. Like... Maybe in DFS, like if you want to try to get cheap with Slayton or something like that, I can get behind it. But really, Andrew, like I don't want to. We got Saquon, maybe Evan Ingram, who we'll talk about in a couple minutes. But like I'm not just expecting this Giants offense to magically become this juggernaut without Jason Garrett. It could help, but let's uh, let's chill a little bit before we're forcing any of these complimentary receivers into starting lineups. Yeah, I mean, it would not surprise me at all to see like Galladay just have this like randomly massive game, you know, over know. Darius, <laughs> over Darius Slay, just having a really good season, and for Galladay, just kind of everything to come together with all the injuries. But again, it's still way too fringy of a play to yeah. really have any. Con- I did have to move. I did move Galladay up a little bit, but I mean, he's still not someone that I'm like. Look, he had like one target last week, like, and I, I get that Jason Garrett's like. But like, part of the reason is, is Daniel Jones. Like Daniel Jones is not like forcing oh, yeah. the ball towards Galladay. Like Galladay doesn't really get open. Like he's a guy that that thrives off the contested catches, and we saw that in the first play. It was like or the first play to Galladay. It was like a slant route that Galladay was covering. He's like Daniel's right. Uh, I'm not doing that again. Like, <laughs> like I'm just like gonna throw it to Kadarius Tony on these like little punt pass plays. So <laughs> now Dante Pettis, Colin Johnson is playing. I think it's good at least like you know Saquon. Okay, like we're gonna see more targets for Saquon Barkley in the passing game. And you know we mentioned the Eagles are a team that gives up a lot of receptions to running backs. So I think that Daniel Jones will continue to feed Saquon in the passing game. So that's good for Barkley. But none of these receivers. And as we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Evan Ingram a little bit later couple other quick notes before we move on to tight end. Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, groin hip injuries respected, limited throughout the week, both questionable. Seems like Samuel, I mean, again, he's barely been able to practice since even joining Washington back in the summer, even if he is active, like the re-injury risk and just the heavy potential for limited snaps, which is what they did the first time he tried to come back earlier this year. Way too high to feel good about it. So Terry McLaurin, and that is it in terms of the Washington wide receivers. Also, just pain me to continue to update this but Auden Tate our guy still not practicing with that thigh injury officially listed as doubtful the Bengals finally won a game without Auden Tate active but I mean you don't want to you don't want to push that uh, too much Andrew you need your best players out there in order to win NFL football games last situation we got to spend a few more words on is in Jacksonville we got Jamal Swagnew done for the year with the hip injury on IR even got Tavon Austin not practicing with a shoulder injury um, if he hasn't been ruled out already does look awful iffy to play maybe just maybe Andrew you know the play was always with LaVisca Chanel waiting for this week 12 breakout to come along maybe just maybe this could be the time we finally start getting some bang for the buck on the Visca you know 
trying to freaking get anything out of him. Urban Meyer <laughs> did mention he wanted to create some backfield touches for him. I don't know, man. It feels like a chalky trap to me in DFS land. But at this point, just based on targets, based on the Jaguars, technically, we you know we have to project them to have some sort of success in the passing game. It is looking like LaVisca Chanel could maybe start to provide some wide receiver three-esque production. What say you? Well, I mean, would you rather play Chenault or, oh, or Marvin no. Jones? Like, like, I guess, like, that's kind of like, I mean, for me, I'm going to play Chenault. Like, I think, I still think Chenault is still a talented wide receiver. And the fact that Urban Meyer, who, you know, hey, man, like, you, you know, you have control of the team. Like, you can, you don't have to say maybe we'll give LaVisca Chenault, like, backfield carries. Like, you can definitively say, like, yeah, we're going to give this guy backfield carries because you are the head coach of the team. <laughs> so, so you can actually make it happen. Yeah, it sucks, and unfortunately, it's like, you know, after this game, we're going to be like, wow, it only took, like, you know, three injuries to receivers and all this other stuff, and the Atlanta Falcons being the opponent for LaVisca to Schnault to score, like, 15 fantasy points. It's like, finally, it happened, the breakout, you know, 12 points. Yeah, I mean, I'd still play him over Marvin Jones, like, personally. I just think that Jones is just out there. He's not getting targeted. Like, last week's game, Marvin Jones was a non-factor until the fourth quarter, like, the last drive. Like, he had, like, no receptions till the last drive and at least Chenault was involved before that he did have five catches so yeah I would lean towards Chenault as my you know best of the worst Jaguars wide receivers I got them right next to each other like 40 and 41 right now <laughs> I kind of want to bump them up a little bit but like that's tell you all you need to know everyone it's a nice bump up for Visca but like again similar to I think uh the Ty Johnson situation talking about Michael Carter like it's it's a nice bump there's no way around that just realize this doesn't make them just like oh my god you need to start them no matter what option kind of like Mark Ingram and some of these other three down running backs have been in recent weeks um as we record this podcast uh, obviously more more news continues to roll in. So just one more quick update to the running back situation. Uh, we do have Elijah Mitchell officially listed as questionable ahead of this matchup against the Vikings. Coach Kyle Shanahan said the team will be able to protect his broken finger. So he will be on the field if he's comfortable playing. Okay, we have seen him like earlier this year, Andrew, like playing through a shoulder injury. I was kind of worried about the workload and they've been willing to really give Mitchell his usual allotment of snaps when he is healthy enough to be active in the first place. I don't know that we have like especially more um, injury aggravation risk than usual. Are you comfortable if Mitchell is active? And this is a step in the right direction. He was doubtful last week uh, going to Sunday. So if Mitchell is active, are you fine firing him up as a top 24 running back? It's it's definitely a lot. <laughs> it's risky because we now have you know Debo Samuel obviously working more in in the running game. It's been working, so I, I don't really see them like oh we gotta stop giving Debo Samuel carries. Like it's it's been really effective, yeah. and Jeff Wilson has been obviously in his role. And now you have concerns about now. I mean, is he gonna is Elijah Mitchell gonna be involved in the passing game at all? Like I, I feel like that's a big question mark. Where he, I mean, if one of his fingers is literally like broken, like I can't imagine like all right, let's dial up some screen. Seems like a for, problem. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a problem uh, for Elijah Mitchell uh, to catch passes, and that's a that's a big problem in this game because the Vikings have a good offense. Like they yeah. could get up in a lead in this game. It's more Kyle Uzcheck like catching passes out of the backfield. So I, I think I would probably try to find an alternative to Elijah Mitchell. They're also playing in the later window. They're playing at 425. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it seems a lot. It seems like there's a lot of risk involved with Elijah Mitchell. I think that I might have, I, like Jeff Wilson, I have like RB21 right now. And obviously I think that if he's the main guy, you start him. But if they're all active, I don't know. I think it's a little risky. I think that I might try to shy away. I think I might try to play a wide receiver in the flex. Now, if you don't have any another RB2 option, I'm, I'm not willing to like dive into the, like, some of the, the more fringy guys we talked about earlier, yeah. um, like a Dontrell Hilliard, like I'm not going to start him over <laughs> Elijah Mitchell. Like I'll just I'll roll the dice with Elijah Mitchell there. But um, I mean, even guys like, you know, A.J. Dillon, Freeman, I think I'd still probably play over Elijah Mitchell. I was just going to say Freeman, you know, Sanders, maybe the Broncos guys. If it's like a legit top 30 running back, I would probably go with them over Mitchell. If we have like no more clarification up until Sunday and we just know he's going to be a game time call because, yeah, when you're in that situation where you don't even know if the guy is going to play, um, it's awfully tough to pass up. Just the opportunity to still play a solid enough RB3. Let's move on to tight end here. A couple situations to talk about around the league. Kyle 
Kyle Rudolph officially listed as doubtful with an ankle injury. Even got Caden Smith ruled out as well with a knee. Setting up our guy, not really our guy, but setting up Evan Ingram. He could be, be our guy. <laughs> he could be our guy for week 12. Why not? Let's do it. Our guy, Evan Ingram. Andrew, we got Shepard out. We got Tony as doubtful. We literally talked this morning about it, and I was not sold on Ingram as the cheap DFS tight end of the week. I think I've come around. 3,800. Why not? Let's do it. I mean, look, it's like you got all these injuries to all these Giants pass catchers. You have the best matchup you could ask for a tight end, and there's no Jason Garrett. Like, if there, if Evan Ingram cannot score double-digit fantasy points in this game, th- there's no hope. Like, like, this is it. Like, this has to be the game where he does something of fantasy relevance. So, yeah, I'm going to play him in DFS, and we'll, we'll watch it all unfold together. If Ingram can't produce this week we are not allowed to say his name for a week it's just got to be redacted every single time we mean to bring up evan ingram we're rooting for you evan you should have all the targets to get it done in season long land though like it's just such a jumbled mess on the tight end one borderline uh you know we do have hunter henry questionable with the neck i think he's going to play through it john who's questionable with a shoulder so like i'm fine putting him ahead of those guys where do you kind of fall on ingram though in the overall ranks I mean, I, I'm i kind of thinking like tight end 12. I play him ahead of Arnold. I play him ahead of Fant, Everett, Conklin, those other guys. But when it comes down to like Jasicki, Goddard, Gronk, that's kind of where I would still start those guys ahead of Ingram. Yeah, so I got Ingram at tight end 11. So okay. like I have him over Higby because, I mean, yeah, they have similar roles. But I agree with that. I can see, I mean, Ingram's probably going to get more targets than Higby will. Yeah. Uh, Dan Arnold, I'm getting, I'm, I'm scared off by this James O'Shaughnessy return because like that sucks. Like that, that, that is an absolute just brutal hit to Dan Arnold. So I was relying on him in the league and I don't think I can actually play him because I'm afraid of James O'Shaughnessy. Um, and Gusecki, I'm actually like, a lot lower on because I the Carolina Panthers have good cornerbacks, and you know I, I'm not looking at tight end matchups with my, like Mike Gusecki anymore because that has led me astray in multiple weeks. <laughs> so I'm looking at the receiver matchup, and if he's going to be dialed up against some of these corners on Carolina, then I, I don't like that matchup as much for for Mike Gusecki. So um, yeah, Evan Ingram, I have his top 12 uh, tight end. I think that you know Firemuth, obviously I'm going to play over him. Goddard. Pitts, you know, Gronk, Andrews, Kittle are like all in front of Evan Ingram. But I think from like a streaming standpoint, if you're like looking to pick somebody up and Fryermuth is not available, then Evan Ingram would probably be my number one like waiver wire plug and play guy. It is a good point on Jaseki. Easiest way to be hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. Just treat Jaseki as a tight end instead of the wide receiver. He actually is. Um, James O'Shaughnessy, yes, as you said, will be returning from IR. He was the every down tight end before he got hurt. Obviously, they traded for Arnold. Arnold has been good with his chances. I mean, I know they didn't target him last week other than one time, so he couldn't do much with that. Uh, I think the most likely scenario is probably there's going to split reps, rendering each as a non-viable fantasy asset which sucks but at a minimum try to find a better option than Arnold this week until we can get a better grip on what this will look like and I think the same is true in Washington we got Ricky Seals Jones with the hip you know not expecting to play this week if he's not been ruled out already but then we okay it's a, the Monday night game just keeps throwing me off I gotta write that down there so we'll see on the Saturday statuses uh, with RSJ but Logan Thomas is tentatively expected to return from IR in that hamstring issue the question is like how healthy is he going to be in the first week we do have baits there to potentially help split that work. I know Washington plays every single tight end, 99% snap rates. It's absolutely ridiculous, whoever's the starter. So I don't hate scooping up Logan Thomas because if he gets that usual rate, like he's going to be on the top of every single waiver wire article on Monday saying that he's back. So that's fine. Go get Logan Thomas now if you need a tight end for the rest of the year. Just really try to find a better option for this week until we can ensure that he is back to his full-time role. Um, Mentioned earlier with Anthony Ferkser, we got Jeff Swain back from the concussion, so we're not feeling good there. But Andrew, the great situation we got is for Pat Fryermuth, all wheels up with Eric Ebron's sideline with the knee issue. This week, the only guys I would start ahead of Fryermuth, Waller, Kittle, Andrews, Pitts, Hawkinson. I had Schultz in there. All, yeah, they already played. You guys get it. Probably Gronk as well. I'm not against Dallas Goddard. So I think the lowest you could rank Fryermuth is like tight end nine. Where do you have him? I got him at tight end eight. So behind. Thank God. That would have been awkward if you were like <laughs> tight end 12. Uh, tight, tight end 13. Oh, this is awkward. Uh, no, yeah, he's at eight. So just behind Goddard, uh, Pitts, Gronk, Andrews, and Kittle, and ahead of Fant, Ingram, Higby, That's Dan fair. Arnold. 
So yeah, he's in a he's in a great spot. I mean, all he has done is produce, and the matchup's pretty good against the Bengals. They've not been great against tight ends as of late. And I've talked about I like this game from a shootout perspective. I think that Fryermuth, depending on how tight end kind of shakes out, I know that you know roster ship on tight end is usually people just like pay up for you know a guy like Kittle or someone that's like more secure. But you know maybe mm-hmm. Fryermuth goes a little bit under the radar, and that's really not warranted like he's the, he's the perfect tight end bring back because um, instead of playing uzoma you can play burrow stacks with fryermuth as the bring back option and that gives you a lot of upside i think government doesn't want you to know that fryermuth has more double digit fantasy points uh, games than none other than kyle pitts this year not one but two Great tight end rookies. Love to see it. Final note uh, for everyone that watched the Cowboys Raiders, which has set some like 30-year high, so I'm guessing it's all of you um, in terms of the viewership. But anyway, Darren Waller only suffered a strained IT band. I have no idea what that means, but I am being told (laughs) that it's not that serious, not a major injury, so that is good to know. But Andrew, I think the big takeaway with this man, and we saw him get it done in one week this year, he really had a great rookie year as well. Unfortunately, we had a progress stopper and Jason Witten joined the Raiders last year. But Foster Moreau, I think with Goddard having a full-time role now, Irv Smith, once he's healthy, having a full-time role, like Foster Moreau might now be the poster child for like one of the best potential fantasy tight end ones that has just stuck as the tight end two more weeks than not. I mean, he's not going to replace Waller as like the tight end one or whatever if uh, Waller is going to miss any time. I know Kelsey will be back, tight end two, whatever. Either way, Moreau, I think, is going to be an every week tight end one if Waller is sidelined. He might not be a bad guy to get ahead of on the waiver wire express as well. Yeah, no, I think that Moreau makes a lot of sense to someone to stash. And look, if Waller misses, like, any time or games, like, as weird as it sounds, like, like, like Brian Edwards is not, like, stepping up and commanding targets. And, and Deshaun Jackson, like, like I don't is. know, maybe it was just, like, he, he looks explosive out there. And, like, you you hate to buy into, like, this was his one big game. But, you know, his routes increased from the week before. Like, it's been on a steady incline. He's still not running 100% of the routes, so he still has some room to grow potentially in this offense. Renfro's obviously locked loaded to his role, but you know, someone has to fill in the steps of Waller, who does have the highest target share on the team. So, Sean Jackson, again, he's not going to be looked at nearly as glowingly as Foster Moreau because he's not the direct backup to Darren Waller but when you look at it from a target distribution like Deshaun Jackson like has more opportunities now if Waller has to be sidelined so I think that Deshaun Jackson makes some sense especially because like that's what they were missing they they were missing the deep threat that Ruggs offered it seems like Deshaun Jackson now up to speed literally so I think that it makes a lot of sense uh to look at him as a waiver wire ad as well got him that was good I laughed I'm sure a few people did out there as well. people if you enjoy the podcast if you enjoy PFF or if you want to just enjoy it more I invite you to go get 40% off any PFF subscription use code cyber 40 you can access to all of our locked article content all of our weekly player rankings strength of schedule tool betting dashboards player prop tool that and so much more again 40% off any PFF subscription all you got to do is use code cyber 40 support the pod and again use promo code cyber 40 for 40 percent off any sub and also want to invite you to go to manscape.com and use code pff for 20 percent off and free shipping tis the season to load up on manscape products so get yourself your dad your brother and friends the best gift of all the manscape performance pack is 4.0 again that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code pff at manscape.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com and use code pff and also this thanksgiving be thankful for family food and free bets that's right, DraftKings, and that's for th- Thanksgiving Thursday. Well, you could imagine if you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code PFF, bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving game, and you can win $100. So, yada, yada, yada. Sponsors with Western Southern. I appreciate you, Western Southern, because whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western Southern is teaming up for PFF's very own. Chris Collins with the share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Submit your questions at Western Southern com slash ask chris one more time that's westernsouthern.com slash ask chris if you're watching on youtube check out the link in the description below remember at western southern you can rest assured on game day andrew i've been updating some stuff throughout the freaking podcast i'm not seeing too much new stuff obviously that will probably happen 10 minutes after we're done recording but final few notes i had for uh, non-skill position players mentioned darius slay cleared the concussion protocol probably will be shadowing kenny galladay we have tj watt removed from the injury report obviously a huge news because pittsburgh this year quietly the fourth worst defense in overall pressure rate obviously getting watt back will help with that 
Unfortunately, the Bills will be without stud cornerback Tredavious White for the rest of the season. He tore his ACL and has been placed on the injured reserve. Absolutely hate to see that. And then finally, the Broncos have a chance to be down their top two or just their starting uh, offensive tackles with Bobby Massey. 50-50 to play due to an ankle injury. Garrett Bowles still on the COVID list. So that is not good for the potential Javante Williams breakout that everyone in the fantasy community is hoping will happen following that bye. So, Andrew, anything else you want to get off your chest? I believe we have covered everything, my friend. Um, the only things that came in that I saw, so both the Patriots tight ends are questionable. So Janu and Hunter Henry are both questionable. I mean, look, like Hunter Henry has to catch a touchdown to be worth a dime in fantasy football. Like he gets like three targets per game. So, so I think that honestly, I think I'd rather start Evan Ingram in like over both yeah. those guys in general. So if you've been streaming Hunter Henry as like your tight end and for some reason he's inactive or you're just looking for a more upside play, like I, I don't think you have to be worried about like dropping Hunter Henry on the waiver wire. He's just like, it's a touchdown or bust. So it's super volatile production. And he's actually been worse in games with Johnny Smith active. So if, if Johnny Smith doesn't play and it's just Hunter Henry, then I think, okay, you can probably keep him in there, but he's more fringy when Johnny Smith ends up playing. And look, man, no, no uh, Tredavious White for the Bills anymore. Hey, man, those Patriots, man, they if they beat the Titans. They're the number one seed in the wow. AFC and then taking on the Bills uh, Monday night, week 13. Man, I, I did not think we were going to be talking about the Patriots like this high up in contention, you know, as the calendar turned to December. But uh, who do you know? Like Belichick rebuilt in one year and it didn't take that long. It's just frustrating we haven't gotten, like, more usage out of this offense in fantasy. Like, they're sixth in scoring this year, 27.3 points per game. But we got Mac Jones, who's thrown 18, 23, and 26 passes over the past three weeks. He distributes it to all his tight ends, all his receivers, his running backs. Great things in real life, but it's not really helping us in fantasy land try to get some semblance of volume. And as always, we got the multi-back committee. So, Andrew, you know, I'm happy for you and your beloved Patriots. It's, you know, you've had so many rough years over the past couple of decades. Just, you know, nobody, nobody we'd rather see get back on track than the Patriots. Uh, I just wish we could have had a little more concentrated usage uh, for fantasy purposes. But beggars can't be choosers. And yes, I do agree. Definitely play Evan Ingram over those tight ends. Hope you guys all enjoyed this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We're going to be continuing to break down these injuries each and every Friday evening. Also have game-by-game breakdowns from what happened on Sunday up late Sunday night into Monday morning. Waiver Wire edition on Tuesday. We break down the following week's games on Wednesday. Thursday, we got some DFS goodness going on with more in between. So Twitter space is usually going on Sunday mornings with Andrew and Dwayne McFarlane. We are trying to provide you everything you need to be number one. You know, Andrew, like we're going to be wrong. We are going to have people tell us we're wrong as soon as the games are over on Sunday. But I am very proud of us, you know, being able to cover, in my opinion, every single thing that needs to be covered throughout the week and having enough of a good process so that people usually don't feel comfortable calling us dumbasses until the games are done. So we'll continue to try to get better. I appreciate everyone that reached out about the surveys with the pod we're going out and um I know I haven't responded to everyone yet. We're doing a first run. I might uh, be getting some more, but truly appreciate everyone that uh, reached out with that because without all of you, uh, you know, I'd have to have like a real shitty normal business job or something like that. So thank you as always for the support. Thank you, Andrew, for always bringing the heat. And yeah, that's going to wrap it up. So for Andrew, I'm Ian. Thanks again as always. Until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>